Afternoons with Pepper Hudson. Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk, featuring Wendy Nola. Well, it's great to have our consumer watchdog, Wendy Nola, with us from a studio in Durban. Always lovely to have you with us, Wendy. Lovely to be here, Pippa. Hello, even from afar. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we're going to start today with some feedback on a previous case that was raised in a show a couple of weeks ago. And then we're going to launch into that conversation about food allergens and, and mm-hmm. looking at responsibility, uh, whose responsibility it is really to inform consumers of their presence. Uh, it's a conversation sparked by a really scary experience one of our own colleagues endured last week uh, where she was misled about the content of her food in a restaurant with real life-threatening consequences. Uh, uh, so that's coming up immediately. And then just a reminder that after half past one, it is an open line. You're very welcome to phone in with any consumer query on 021-446-0567. Or you can send an SMS to 31567 or leave a voice note on 0725671567. Wendy, let's start with some good news, though. We've got a follow-up on uh, a call that came in a couple of weeks ago. Listener Sally Chapman phoning in with a query around airline charges. And just to yeah. recap for, for those you might have missed the segment um this is what Sally told us, that in March, her husband John had gone on to Turkish Airlines International website to book some tickets from Cape Town to Bologna in Italy uh, for travel in July. Now the, fares were, now, the fares were displayed in U.S. dollars, and it did offer options for other currencies. But when John looked for what you would expect to see, ZAR for South African Rand, he couldn't find it. He did, however, find SAR, and he clicked on that, assuming that that was going to offer him the Rand price. He liked the number that he saw he confirmed the payment and then he got the shock of his life when an amount of over 64,000 rand went off his credit card and he discovered that SAR in fact stands for Saudi Real not South African Rand um he called the airline. The call center agent said he could cancel the purchase within 24 hours, but that turned out not to be the case. And when he tried to follow up, the airline said, sorry, you chose the currency. That is it. Uh, Wendy, he did admit that he made a mistake, but I know you took yes. a look at the website and tried to follow up from him. and You've had some good success. Tell us what happened. Absolutely. Well, I took up the case only this week um, and... Um I did spend some time on the on the on the website to see for myself how it happened. Yeah, and um, yeah, it did occur to me that John was probably not the only South African to make that mistake to mistake Saudi Real for SA Rands. And when you click on SAR, there is no indication of what it stands for. Certainly not when I checked it out. So I took up the case with Ebru Karasakis, who is the airlines sales and operations manager in Cape Town. Um, I asked initially about, you know, why there isn't the ZAR option, and he mm-hmm. said that the airline withdrew that option um, as a currency because of its extreme fluctuation. He said, although we make the assumption that the currency options are quite clear, especially on the last page before confirming and accepting the terms and conditions, we will communicate with our head office and the people responsible for our website to investigate options that will give a much clearer indication to the client which currently currency they have selected, and we will certainly take on board your suggestion of a warning regarding the currency selected. We are disappointed that the matter regarding the Chapmans was not managed professionally and efficiently and we offer our apologies for this. And here comes the good part. We will arrange for a full and prompt refund with our assurances that the matter is being addressed so that our clients won't have a repeat of the frustrating events that occurred. So 64,700 and something will be making its way back to the Chapmans, and I'm very happy about that. That's fantastic. I mean, well done, Wendy, for pushing ahead with it. And John gets his refund. Hopefully the airline uh, makes some changes to make things that much clearer for anybody else.
Well, the thing is that occurred to me when I when I went onto the site is that when I went to sort of do a, a ticket thing, a, 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 a query on the on a price, it immediately gave my airport as Durban, the departing airport. So obviously, it's looking at the browser and it can tell it would have done the same for the Chapman. So I'm saying, well, if I can do that, then when South African clicks on SAR, there should be a little pop-up that says, please note this is Saudi Real, not South African Rand or something. I mean, there are ways, there's the technology to 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 warn people about this if if they can pick up that I'm sitting doing my query in Durban then surely that should uh, make yeah. a link to the correct currency yeah I would yeah. Just, I'm interested to know if anybody else has been caught out by a similar mistake and and what happened whether you were forced to cough up for example in dollars when you thought you were buying in rands and whether you just had to like it or lump it or swallow that uh, that mistake or or were able to extricate yourself if you'd like to share a similar experience with us give us a call or drop us a voice note but in the uh, the bottom line here is it's a win for our consumer, the Chapman family, and well done to Wendy for following up. Thanks for that Thank feedback. Thank you, and well done to Turkish Airlines for doing the right thing. Absolutely. I think that is worth saying as well. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, let, let's move on to our main topic for the week, Wendy. Uh, we are being told continually in our health slot that allergies are on the rise worldwide, mm. and, and for some people, it's not just a simple matter of feeling a bit itchy and scratchy. It can be a matter of life or death. And that is the case for our colleague uh, Lebomad Bocha, who is a presenter and producer on our sister station 702 in Johannesburg. She happens to be highly, highly allergic to nuts. And she makes a point of, of always notifying the waiter of that fact if she's ordering food in a restaurant, um, which makes her experience last week at a restaurant in Joburg very scary indeed, because she ended up going into anaphylactic shock, having to be rushed to hospital after she was served a dish that contained nuts, despite being told directly after numerous questions that it did not. Now, unfortunately, Lebo wasn't available to chat to us at this time because she is busy prepping her own show, Wendy. But uh, I know you've yes. been in conversation with her around the experience. Can you just tell us exactly what happened? Oh, absolutely. So she um, went last after her show last uh, Tuesday um, to get a, a meal at Kolkata at Empress Palace. And um, she, uh, because, I mean, there was no obvious nuts in the, in the salad. It wasn't a, a salad that, that appeared to contain nuts, and the menu description didn't include nuts. So she did ask the waiter um, a few times to make sure, as is her habit, and she was told no, and she said it seemed they were getting a little bit irritated by yeah. <laughs> repeatedly asking. Anyway, she took a couple of bites of this supposedly nut-free salad, and something didn't feel right. So she asked it again, and the waiter van and, uh, and the chef insisted there were no nuts in the dish. Um, she asked specifically whether there was any pesto, perhaps, in the dressing, and the answer was no. Um, but um, unfortunately, she started to suffer from symptoms that she recognized. Mm. And at that point, they conceded that, oh, yes, um, there is a dressing on there that contains pesto, which, of course, contains nuts. Yeah. So that, that, that revelation came a bit too late for Lebo. She was battling to breathe. Uh, she was taken to the nearby Empress Palace Clinic where staff couldn't stabilize her, so they had to call an ambulance and take her to hospital. She was stabilized there, and she was discharged later that day. But a horrific experience, especially, as you said, uh, to happen to somebody that was so careful to to make um, sure that she wasn't going to be eating any nuts. Yeah. So that was Tuesday, during the day of Tuesday, and she waited for two and a half days for Kulkacha's head office to contact her about the incident, um, you know, maybe to make inquiries about her medical expenses, etc. And when that didn't happen, she took to Twitter about her experience um, early on Friday morning. So corporates take note. Mm. You, you do not 
two days is a very long time. I mean, she could have used her radio platform the very next morning to go on about it, but she gave them a chance to respond behind the scenes. Um, and then in her series of tweets, she said, I'm so disappointed at the lack of follow-up and training of staff on the seriousness of anaphylactic shock. I could have died, which is quite true. Yeah. Um, and she went on to make some demands on Twitter that the restaurant franchise publicly apologizes, compensates her for um, the, that particular store's negligence, trains all their staff countrywide on the seriousness of food allergies. That's an important one. Yeah. And then she also wanted them to donate uh, to a charity and embark on a general food allergies awareness campaign. I think this obviously happened to her once too often now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I really like the fact that she's taken that sort of broader view of saying it's not just about me and my experience yes. and saying sorry we, we messed up in your case she's she's making the point that greater staff training is needed i'm amazed though that she had to go to twitter to get a response Wendy, you would have thought that the chain would have followed up very promptly given how serious the medical crisis yes. was well here's what happened to be fair both the waiter and the manager of that uh, particular restaurant did contact her the following day the waiter with a with a text and and the manager via a phone call um, and they told her, well, the manager told her that they had informed their head office, Kolkata's head office. But, um, you know, as I said, nobody from head office contacted Libo, which is what she was waiting for. Mm. That is not until she started tweeting on Friday morning. Um, I later discovered that the operations manager at head office didn't think to inform the directors about the issue. So, again, for any corporates listening, there's some lessons in this case. Yeah. Now, you did follow up with Kolkata head office. And what did they tell you? Okay. Yes, I spoke to she, uh, actually the um, Kolkata Holdings co-founder and director, Kinga Baranowska, did actually proactively contact me. She said that she chose not to include the salad's um, creamy pesto dressing in the menu description out of intellectual property concerns, not realizing it could be a serious health issue for patrons allergic to nuts. And she said, you know, she, she would have thought that the chef and waiter would have um, un informed somebody who asked. She said, I don't always list all the ingredients on our menu items. Um, uh, so, yeah, she says, and of course, we are absolutely mortified about what happened. And she took my advice to put a pinned tweet on the Kolkata um, uh, Twitter profile just to say, because yeah. we, we, it obviously... We, lit up Twitter for a time there um, and she said that the emission would be rectified and all staff at all 37 franchise stores countrywide would be given allergy training online she said as soon as possible so yeah it's okay. a pity it came to that or that yeah. it happened at all but some lessons for everybody absolutely think, and we're going to have a bit of a conversation with a medical expert in just a moment around uh, the issue of food allergies but uh, I'm just interested to hear from those of our listeners who suffer from really severe allergies um, whether you've had similar experiences or whether you believe um, that it is entirely your issue to manage I mean Jane has just whatsapped us saying peanuts aren't the only dangerous food item my mother was allergic to oranges even a sip of orange juice would put her into a coma it's a main ingredient in many foods and she avoided anything she thought might have orange juice in it. She lived to over 90 years by being vigilant. Jane's belief is that it's up to the person who has the allergy to take responsibility. She concludes by saying restaurants can't possibly cater for every allergy. I take the point and I agree with Jane that certainly the person with the allergy has a responsibility to let of that course. be known. But Wendy, surely, I mean, in this case, it's particularly bad because Lebo did that. She, she said did exactly to them, that. I am highly allergic. Please make sure the dish I'm getting doesn't contain it. And she specifically said, is there pesto in it? Yeah. So she, I mean, for, and for me, for a restaurant not to reveal pesto in particular in a menu description 
given that it contains nuts and given how serious um, a nut allergy is, I mean, nuts is not a, not that rare an allergy as, as something like orange juice would be. So, um, and given, given how quickly somebody can go into anaphylactic shock, I think, you know, if it's not the, it's not the main, it's not the item to leave out of a menu. Yeah. A description for intellectual property reasons. Um, you, it really does need to be declared there. Yeah, it's not like you're allergic to smoked mussels, which appear once in a blue moon. I mean, nuts are very commonly used in so much food. Let's bring yes. in at this point an allergy expert. Dr. Harris Steinman is no stranger to the show. He is a medical doctor and one of the country's foremost allergen specialists joining us on the line. Harris, great to have you back with us. Welcome back to the show. Nice to join you. Thank you. Anybody who has a serious allergen obviously has allergy obviously has to tread very carefully here and, and, and certainly they have a responsibility to disclose that even if they're going to a private dinner party, for example. But equally, Harris, there surely must be uh, some degree of responsibility about transparency on menus in a, in a setting like a restaurant. Absolutely. I think it's for a number of reasons. The one is your ethical and moral responsibility. Uh, but also this uh, Consumer Protection Act can guarantee you you're going to be in serious trouble if uh, something goes wrong and you dig your hand in, the, you put your head in the sand. Okay. It's not just about nuts, of course, as someone's already pointed out. There are many different, uh, different allergens that could put somebody in this position. But uh, are all of those potentially fatal? We know that, that there are, for example, children who respond with fatal consequences to just the mere whiff of peanuts. Are there any other ingredients that restaurant owners in particular need to be very mindful about? Well, the, the point is people can be allergic to any food that contains protein. You could react very severely to watermelon. But it depends really on what is the most commonest. And if we have a look at what proteins are the most potent of all, they are the peanuts, they are the tree nuts, and then it goes down, egg, milk, soy, wheat, etc. They're the eight common allergens that have to be labeled by our legislation. But, you know, although sesame is not part of that list, sesame itself is a very potent allergen for people who are particularly affected. So the law can't regulate every protein or every food. Uh, it regulates really the most common of all. And the most common of all are usually the ones that are very frequent and very potent uh, in general. So certainly peanut would be right at the top and then we go down the list. But I have to remind uh, listeners that, you know, for people who are allergic to peach or to apricot or to watermelon or whatever other food is available, that's clearly a concern to them. And so when they ask for what's uh, on the ingredient list or what's on the menu, uh, they should get a proper answer. It must be disclosed uh, when it's asked about absolutely. So you can't expect a restaurant to guess that somebody might be allergic to peaches, but you can expect a straight answer if somebody says, I am allergic to peaches, will I find them in this dish? Absolutely. Okay. Do you think restaurants in general in South Africa take this seriously enough, Harris? No, I think it depends on the restaurant. The, the big chains generally do take it seriously. We know that they ask for training and advice and they have experts coming and help with a, with a menu list. But the problem too is that the restaurant has two groups of people that are important. The one are the service staff, the waiters, 
and they come and go. And if they're not adequately trained, an error can occur, especially if they are told not to hassle the chef. And then the second group, of course, are the chef, the people putting the food together. And the question is, are they aware of all the ingredients that they are using? Or are they getting the ingredients from manufacturing groups that simply pre-make it for them? In which case, they should know what what is in, in the ingredient list. As an example, is a lot of Italian restaurants don't make their own pasta dishes or the raviolis. They actually buy it from a central processing unit. But it is beholden to the chef to know exactly what he has purchased, what's in the ingredients in that, ingredients in that, and to ensure that the service staff, the, the waiters, are informed exactly what's in the products and to have an open door to answer any queries they might have. Dr. Harris Steinman, thanks for that input. And we've had two people in the last few minutes SMSing to say um, uh, we're allergic to rocket and it's a huge problem because it's often added as a garnish to dishes. It's in pestos without us being told about it. It appears in salads, for example. So both Di and Brian saying that that's a problem uh, issue for them. Um, we've got Wendy very quickly. In fact, no, we're going to go to the news headlines then come back to Wendy in Somerset West. I'm going to ask Harris to stay on the line in case Wendy would like his input on the comment that she wants to share with us about sugar. I just want to come back to the conversation around allergens and and who bears responsibility for informing customers that they are there potentially um, uh, before we move on to our open line. I'm thinking back to when I was a waiter in my in my youth, and uh, one of the things, this is one of the things that I certainly was trained emphatically on. I wasn't allowed anywhere near the floor of the restaurant I worked in until I could literally list every ingredient in every dish and what dish could be made what could be left out and uh, that didn't only go for allergens it went for for what contained alcohol what contained pork products for example so that you could be informed and help your customers make a choice from an informed perspective i was not allowed onto the floor until i'd passed a written and verbal test on those ingredients clearly that isn't happening everywhere though and wendy has been waiting patiently from somerset west to raise another issue because wendy it's not only about potential allergens in food you want to raise a question around sugar as well good afternoon Yes, good afternoon to you. Yes, um, I am a type 1 diabetic and it's important that I know what is in a product. Um, I quite often go to a restaurant for a meal and um, at the end of the meal when everybody else is having a dessert, I think, yes, tonight I would like a dessert. Most times I don't bother because I don't know what's in it and the Mm. staff don't know what's in it. Um, Many years ago, I was... Um, a chef and I had to know what was in every single dish on the menu and you know there is no excuse for them not to learn all those things it's important to everybody to know what's in a dish and if you know they're waiters they should know chefs should be able to tell them what is in the dish they are being questioned about Wendy in Somerset West, thank you for that. Harris, she raises a very important point. It's not only about uh, common allergens, it's also about other things that might be hiding in a dish that could have health consequences for people. Absolutely. You know, we're focusing on allergens, but if you are diabetic or have heart disease or any other things, uh, you know, you have a right to ask information that makes you make a better or informed choice.
Okay. Dr. Harris-Steinman, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, a medical doctor and a specialist in allergies. Um, Wendy, it's interesting to see people's response on the WhatsApp line because there, there are two camps emerging, I could say. There's one saying, this is your responsibility. If you're the person with the allergy, it's incumbent upon you to, to inform yourself and ask the questions. Which well, was the case in Labour's Exactly. To be fair, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Gillian on the WhatsApp thinks restaurants should really have the wait staff ask customers if they have allergies. Why not be preemptive and proactive so that doesn't become an issue? Kara in Komiki believes if you have such serious food allergies that you could become seriously ill, you shouldn't be eating out at all. You're placing responsibility for your health in a stranger's hands and are playing with your life. Do you think that's fair that if you no. have uh, such an allergy, you just shouldn't eat out? No, I definitely don't. We're all adults. And um, there is a small matter of the Consumer Protection Act, which mm. does make it incumbent upon those uh, their suppliers, and that's what the Act refers to them as, a supplier. Um, and if there's something that could um, potentially harm the uh, a consumer, they are required to disclose it. So there would be those um, main allergens, and that is one of them. But here we have a case where somebody... Um, didn't ask just once, but several times, and even mentioned the word pesto, and mm, was still told, told no. no. So you can't have a consumer who was more proactive about protecting themselves. Um, so I think saying to someone who has a nut allergy, "Well, stay at home." No, that's actually a little bit unfair. I think it's it's a step too far to require a waiter to say what allergies do you have. Um, I think you know that the the I don't know what the percentage of the population is that that has allergies now, but I think if someone proactively asks. It's an, they need to know what's in their food. And I think Harris hit on something when he spoke about the pre-mix issue. Yes. A lot of these things aren't made from scratch, especially in a, a, a franchise situation where you have a set menu that's in 37, 40, 60, whatever um, uh, restaurant sites. Um, the potential of somebody not knowing what's in a pre-mix is, is quite good. Yep. And uh, so there needs to be lists up in the kitchen. There needs to be warnings. Um, as I say, we're not talking here about something really obscure. Um, we're talking about a common and, and, and known to be deadly allergen. And, and this particular case, this particular case, I stress, there was nothing more that the, that the consumer could have done. It was complete negligence on the part of, of, of the restaurant. Yeah. That particular one. Just, uh, it's, it's not them alone. I mean, I've just received an email from Tessa saying, I'm so delighted that you are highlighting this issue. My son has had the same problem at a restaurant in the waterfront a couple of years ago where he was assured there were no nuts in the food by both the waiter and the chef. Started eating, realized there was something wrong. And then the chef said, Oh yes, I forgot the sprinkles on the potato have some nuts in them. It's yeah, something as small as enough. the garnish that goes on the side of the plate that can trigger it. So, uh, And somebody else here on our SMS line with granddaughters who are allergic to nuts very badly so tells me they've both been affected by eating ice cream served from a dispenser which previously had a nut-flavored oh, ice gosh. cream in it. Um, you know, in this case, she says both of these girls travel everywhere with EpiPens so that they are covered yes. should something like that happen. But it's worth reminding that there are a lot more things to consider than just the, well, it's a pork chop with mushroom and cream sauce. What was in the stock powder? You know, which, which pans it was cooked in, et cetera. These are all with things garnish. restaurants need to be mindful yes. of. 
Absolutely. I know there's a debate going on in, in a lot of schools where one or one child will have a very, very severe nut allergy, peanut allergy, and then the notice gets sent out to the entire parent body saying, please, you may not henceforth send um, your children to school with peanuts or peanut butter sandwiches yes. or whatever, and the rest of the school body gets very uptight. That's an interesting debate as to should the entire um, school body be penalized, especially if the child is, is sort of 9, 10, where they do know, you know, they're, they're big enough not to, to, to touch anyone taking, else's yeah. food kind of thing. But, yeah, I know that it's quite a contentious issue in schools. But here we're talking about a very um, consumer issue where you have a service provider and a consumer and there needs to be the Consumer Protection Act covers it and there needs to be disclosure. Okay. There needs to be disclosure. Bear that in mind, please. If you work in this industry and if you are running a restaurant, think about doing some specific allergy-focused training with your waitering staff, even if it means you have to do it over and over again as staff turnover happens. That is just part of the deal. We'll be back after the break with the open line. Our first callers are already hanging in there waiting to speak to Wendy. A reminder that the number is 021-446-0567. Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. You can join the conversation. And you can do that by dialing 021-446-0567. We go back to the field of travel for our first open line question. Our listener, Nicola Perez, emailed me to ask what her rights are in terms of refunds for a travel package that just didn't live up to her expectations. And, Wendy, we've actually called Nicola back uh, to explain to us what happened and then get your advice. Nicola, on the line okay. from Musenberg, good afternoon. Pippa, hi. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to Wendy. My pleasure. Nicola, tell us what your experience was. I'll try to be as brief as possible and just touch on the main points. Um, I had an experience with a tour company. When my mother and I went on an organized tour to northern Namibia and the Caprivi Strip, it was going to be a driving tour. Um, and there were 14 people in total uh, on the tour. And I was the youngest, but most people were older, between the age of 70 and 80. When we arrived in Vintook and saw the vehicle that we were supposed to travel in for this 10-day driving tour, a number of us expressed our dismay at how cramped it was going to be. And the tour guide indicated that we would just have to change places, take turns in the car to sit you know, in the better spots and at the windows. And at our first stop, about 200 kilometers outside of, of, of Windhoek, I, I raised my concern with the tour guide, and her immediate response was just, well, there's nothing she can do about it, and we must go ahead. And I then said to her, would she please speak to the person concerned who was responsible for the management of this tour and raise my concerns? This she did, and she came back to say that he had indicated there was nothing that could be done and that we must just proceed. So I asked, please, if I could have the contact details of this gentleman. And I spoke to him directly, and I raised my concerns both about the, the safety of this vehicle. We were crammed in pretty much like, uh, you know, taxi commuters you see on our roads every day. Not only the safety, but also the comfort. Mm. One of the things that had been advertised in their brochures, comfortable tra- transport. And he dodged, dodged the issue completely, uh, gave me a whole lot of excuses, and... Um, we the end of the phone call no no wiser about whether the call no no wiser about whether they would take any action. And that evening um I indicated to the tour guide that I wasn't happy. This was not what I had expected and I wanted to leave the tour. Um I felt that it had been misrepresented. Um I I lost my, my trust in the in the tour company and um in the end with 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 no clear 
understanding of what they might do, uh, my mother and I left the tour on the third day, which was the first opportunity for us to leave this rather distant place. We had to pay 4,000 rand for a taxi to take us back to Vintuk at our own expense. And when I contacted the owner of the tour company, he wasn't interested, just not interested in taking any responsibility for a consumer or customer experience. Um, and, and when I tried to speak to him about the opportunity of a refund, all of this done by email, he got really quite aggressive and said at the end of the day that I must just speak to his lawyer. He had no wish to discuss the matter with me any, you know, any further. Sure, so I just, I wanted to know from Wendy, surely under those circumstances, when somebody has left it to us so early on, when somebody has expressed their dissatisfaction from you know, the very earliest point when it became apparent that there was a problem, that there should be some comeback with, with regards to the service provider. I just, I find it really interesting that, you know, my mother paid uh, somewhere in the region of 25,000 rand hmm. for each of us to go on this tour. And I just can't believe that the, that the tour company can get away with, with, with their response and the way they, they, they managed this. Okay, Nicola, I'm sorry about your experience, first of all. How long ago was this? This was actually some time ago. It was about 18 months ago. I have tried okay. various channels to address it. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of the tour company, but I just feel so strongly that I'm still trying to address the problem. But, you know, he said, go and speak to his lawyer. And I'm, uh, I'm not in the position to throw good money yes. after that. Okay, mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this. I often get these complaints involving um, holidays. So be it mm-hmm. um, accommodation, um, and he has a, is a, an, a tour bus situation um, and proving, you know, the misrepresentation is difficult because you said the advert said comfortable and you, mm-hmm. you had a different idea of what comfortable was going to be. Do you well, have any photographs mm-hmm. of the cramped okay. conditions? Okay, so that's a start. No, were there any only, photographs of the coach or the, the, what, no, what they only, said you were going to be in? Yeah, I only have a photograph of the outside of the vehicle. Unfortunately, not of the people cramped inside, but really it was cheek to jowl. There were four people, older people, sitting in the back of this vehicle with no legroom and no opportunity to move. Um, I've, I've researched the type of vehicle that it is. The company concerned is only interested in dodging the fact that they got a bigger vehicle because they thought it'd be more comfortable, but it clearly wasn't big enough for 14 people plus the tour guide. Um, they've fallen back on, on, uh, on their sort of reports, safety reports about the vehicle. And, you know, if, so it wasn't if, about if safety, it was about... No, but if, if this vehicle had turned over, there was no way any of us were going to get out of this vehicle. We would be stuck in like crammed like sardines. And so they've fallen back on what they think is the the bare minimum of supplying what was advertised, but paying that amount of money for that experience just doesn't seem correct in terms okay, of. Well, yeah, where it, do you yeah, think it would have been? It would have been, and if you'd all been younger, I'm telling you, the cheek bad jowl pictures would have been plastered on Facebook and Twitter, and that's yeah. how the new generation of consumers deal with these issues. It's always much more difficult to fight if you don't have um, visual uh, proof. Um, so that's my first. Um, plea to an advice to anybody about these on holiday situations is please take as many photographs as possible and we all have smartphones on us um, these days so it makes it just so much easier to to fight your case mm. um, in the absence of that um, certainly we'd have to rely on a description and the picture of the um, external the, uh, um, the external picture of the bus 
Uh, and then um, I would approach um, travel organizations, ASATA for one, and, and found out what your reasonable expectations should have been and how out, out of kilter what you actually got for a 10-day trip at X price actually was and then confront the company um, about that and ask for a reasonable um, refund. You did have three days. That wouldn't be a full refund, but it, uh, certainly it would seem if we could prove that you – you know, the conditions were overly cramped and the bus not um, at all appropriate for the kind of um, tour be on offer, then, you know, we'd have something something with which to tackle them on. So I'll, yeah. I'd be happy to do that if you want to send me an email, Nicola. Okay, I've already got Nicola's uh, email correspondence, so I'm going to forward that on to you after okay. the show this evening. And Nicola, I'll put you in touch directly with Wendy for some follow-up, and I hope we can get you at least a partial refund. As Wendy said, it won't be a full one, given that you did have three days of the tour, enjoyable or not, but uh, hopefully at least some recourse is possible. Uh, Nicola, thanks for that call, and I look forward to being able to give some feedback, hopefully, on that case. Yes. Uh, with that, let's move on to our next caller, Amin, who has been holding very patiently from Grassy Park to chat to us. Amin, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Papa. I mean, I've got a, 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 a electricity problem there. You know, I normally buy electricity through the phone, you see, mm-hmm. prepaid through the phone. And yesterday I bought 100 rands and, and never got the voucher number. And then I bought again on the same day. And I still didn't get the voucher number. So I spent 300 rand yesterday, and this morning I spent another 100 rand, and I still haven't got the voucher number. I went into the branch in Pinelands, and the guy was trying to, uh, to access things, uh, 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 and they asked him, and they told him that if they can't supply a voucher number, then they must refund. And he said to me, okay, they will, they will sort it out by the time I'll be home. I will either get the refund or I'll get the voucher number. Right up to now, I've got nothing, and I'm sitting in the dark here. Oh no, mm. Wendy, what How should I do? I'm not familiar with the with the mechanism of that. So, where did you go? Who did you pay your money over to? And how were you supposed to receive the voucher number? I mean, I mean, was yep. it perhaps prepaid twenty four or one of those kind of suppliers? That's correct. Yes, it was prepaid. Uh, you know, through uh, what's this NetBank, and then uh, you know immediately when they take your money and then they immediately send you a voucher number. But now yesterday oh, they never send a voucher number. I buy electricity Twice. the same way, Wendy. I, I send, uh, send a transfer through and they usually within two minutes send you back the voucher number to type into your, uh, your prepaid meter. Oh, I wonder if there wasn't some kind of widespread issue about that. Um, I'd be very happy to take it up if you're, if you're not able to get recourse on your own. I mean, um, if you could just email me the details, um, I've I've got a feeling you weren't the only one. I'd be interested. Such a well, thing. I'm sh- okay. We uh, I'm sure we will hear from anybody else if others have had the same experience as I mean in Grassy Park has just described. So but a lot I of mean, money to be sitting it, in exactly, the dark. Exactly. Exactly. I hope uh, that 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 uh, re- either the refund or the voucher come through during the course of the afternoon. But if they don't, uh, please send an email to Wen- uh, to Wendy, which you do by mailing consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R, consumer at nola.co.za, and just put Cape Talk Electricity Prepaid or something like that in the subject line so that she knows to look out for it. And Wendy will gladly follow up on that one for you. Uh, okay, we have... 
gosh, uh, complaints about long waiting time seem to be the uh, the predominant uh, complaint today. Sheila in Takai, thank you for waiting so long. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Hello, Sheila. Okay, we're Hello. struggling. Sheila, let's just see if we can get you on a slightly clearer line. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you, yes. Okay, you, you're sounding much clearer now. What's the nature okay. of your problem, Sheila? Good afternoon. Okay, well, I'm actually phoning on behalf of my husband um, who bought a new vehicle uh, probably about a year and a half ago. And um, uh, after quite a while, the radio in the vehicle went faulty. And it's a radio with a you know direction finder and Bluetooth and all that for obviously for traveling and for his business to be able to make telephone calls and so on. Anyway, they took the radio out, and um, it's now been almost seven months, and we are still waiting for this radio to come down from Johannesburg um, with all kinds of excuses, you know. And we we've got umpteen emails dealing with the people at the motor dealers, and I phoned and asked, well, put me onto the people in Johannesburg so that I can speak to, no, you'll have to speak to the customer services. And I said, well, I don't want to speak to customer services. I want to speak to somebody in charge or somebody that can help with us. And and I don't know, we don't know where, what to do anymore, who to turn to. Okay, this is an interesting one because it's not a case of your car being off the road, in which case they would have to supply you with a courtesy car or hire one for you or something like that. There's there's clearly no, um, they don't feel, that they're not losing out. The, you're driving the car, you don't have full use of it. That that, that um, radio, for want of a better word, that's it's much more than a radio. It's a whole system which is integral, it plays, you know, it's integral to your enjoyment and use of the vehicle or your husband. So for you not to have had um, use of it for seven months is definitely not, I would imagine, a, a level of service that the company would want to be made public. Mm. So um, I would be very happy to um, take that up for you. I hear your frustration around customer care division, and that's what often happens with these big companies. And it's just like a message system. You get a reference number, and you don't feel like you're actually speaking to anybody who's going to take any responsibility or make any decisions. So um, I fortunately am able to deal with the media liaison divisions of these companies, and they tend to act a bit lively when they get an email most of them so mm. if you've sent me one um sheila i'll be happy to take it up i think seven months waiting for a replacement a sound system is uh, uh just it's way too long yeah <laughs> to say the least i wrote a column recently about this issue the you know the the length of time we as consumers are made to wait for all sorts of things which is just unconscionable so be very happy to try to help you with that one Sheila if you give me all the details okay so Sheila again just send an email to consumer at nola.co.za and uh, put Cape Talk car radio repair in the subject line Wendy will keep an eye out for that one um, uh, we have Graham on the line from Plumstead uh, with an issue around uh, a residential lease and eviction notice Graham good afternoon uh, hi there hi there um, it's been worth waiting for yes I, I've been a businessman for 30 years I've paid my rent every month. Um, the, business, the building that I'm in changed hands uh, 27 months ago. The new owner, my, le- my lease expires in 2019. The, the new owner um, emailed me last night and said he gave me till the 30th of July or before then to get out of the building. 
So, I have a large, I have, I have multi-million stock, and uh, I'm laughing at him. Can I laugh at him? Can Graham laugh, Wendy? Good question. Um, well, it would depend firstly on your lease and what um, length of um, the extent of the um, notice period that's in there. So now we're sitting in May. Um, it would seem to me to be unreasonable in the case of a business with, as you say, large stocks, etc., to be given um, less than three months notice. We're sitting in May, so it's less than two months, really, that you've been uh, given. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. June and July, effectively, plus a couple of weeks of May. Yes, it's less than three months. Um, but having said that, um, as unfair as it seems, these leases are not in, uh, in, in perpetuity. So I'm quite sure that legally, if it's compliant with your lease, there wouldn't be anything that you could do about it because, as I say, they... Um, just as you could uh, give notice yourself according to the notice period in your lease um, they wouldn't be able to turn around and say well that's not fair you've been here so, for so long we rely on this nice steady uh, rental how can you can't do this to us you know you would have that right and equally they as the other party to the lease has have the right to to give you notice within as I say as long as they're complying with the terms of the lease Okay, so Graham's first port of call is to go and check that lease. Uh, and if those terms are not in, in uh, consistent with the terms of the lease, he has the right to, to push back and argue. But yeah, but ultimately he doesn't have the right to stay there forever. Um, as much as I mean, after all those years, it, it would certainly seem, you know, come as a huge shock. I can't see that he'd have the legal means to, to fight it. Okay, Graham, um, uh, so check the lease, and if you find that there is a clause in the lease that allows for a longer notice period than you've been given, then by all means email Wendy to take it up for you. But if it is in your lease that that, uh, that period is required, I'm afraid that is what the lease states. Thank you for your call. We've got a voice note that's come in in response to that earlier call from Amin about the prepaid electricity. Let's take a listen. Oh, lovely. Hi Pippa, this is Caitlin speaking. Um, the same thing happened to me with the electricity from Nedbank about three or four weeks ago. I purchased 200 Rand electricity and I never received the voucher number. I called the call center and there is a way to retrieve the voucher number on internet banking if Armin is uh, registered for internet banking. If he gives the Nedbank uh, call center a call, they can help him fairly easily. Thanks Pippa. Thanks Pippa. Thank you very much, Caitlin, and thank you to the other Lovely. person who suggested it might be due to a change in banking details for prepaid 24 that wasn't necessarily communicated to customers. I didn't know that, so I'm certainly going to go and double-check that myself. Thank you for the heads up. Very, very quick one to finish with, Wendy. Maria tweeting us yesterday, complaining that a cashier at Woolworths told her the price on the shelf is not going to be the price that rings up to the till. Sorry, it's because of the VAT increase. Maria feels that six weeks after the VAT increase kicked in, it's no longer reasonable to be making that excuse. Do you agree with her? I do, actually. I had a little number of words with a cashier at Woolworths just yesterday. Um, there's a whole bank of scarves with the price. You know, they have that sort of dotted line where you can take the price off. Mm. All pulled off and no new prices there. And I said, but it's been six weeks. Can't you just put one note as they're all the same price on that particular section? Um, so, yes, I think um, initially, I mean, it's impossible for a store with a huge stocks to have done it overnight but I do think six weeks on 
They should be making a plan. We shouldn't be um, having either no prices on goods, which is actually illegal in terms of the CPA, or incorrect prices. They should have found a mechanism uh, to, to get that right by now. And I, I think there are some other stores that haven't yet either. I think um, six weeks is ample time to get that right. So let's hope that gets corrected soon. Okay, let's hope so. Wendy, as always, uh, a fantastic segment. Thanks for being with us, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Pippa. we Will do.